inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey friends, tonight I am actually a guest on the Battlefield of the Mind with Rick Yee. We talk about dating, relationships, the state of the world, the state of manhood. You know, it felt really good to actually be a guest. I've been a guest quite a few times on podcasts and every time it's like, ah, this is so nice to be on the other side of the microphone. So this episode is actually me making a guest appearance on his podcast. If you don't already follow Rick or know who he is, Please go check out the Battlefield of the Mind. You won't be disappointed. Sit back. Enjoy tonight's episode. How do you learn who you really are? It's not found in books. It's found on the battlefield. What's up, warriors? All right, Rick here. I'm here with Brandon, Mr. Gratitude himself, and uh, welcome to the Battlefield of the Mind. So we're going to get into today, Brandon, relationship coach, relationship expert, but you also do so much more. Please let our warriors know who you are. Yeah, I appreciate you, brother. This has been a a long time coming, Rick. You and I connected quite some time ago and uh, grateful to be here. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I... um, I have been doing this full time for about three years, and in a nutshell, I help folks navigate through breakup, divorce. I help folks that are new to dating. Maybe they were in relationships for a long time, and they're just getting out in the world, which is a scary, scary dating world. And that's where I come into play: things to look for, you know, red flags, people that are emotionally available, people that are aligned with you, because. You know, a lot of times people see the physical. They say, oh, this, this man's handsome. This woman's beautiful. And they're, they're, they're focusing on the things that don't carry them to a long-term relationship. And that's, that's really where I come into play. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, there's something. Let's, let's just jump right into it. People are always saying the dating world is scary. But as yeah. an expert, please Give me some of the dude. This is why it's scary out there. This is what this is where we're going wrong. Aside from just the superficial, like what is it that like, man, this is off the rails. This is why it's going crazy. What do you think? The number one thing I'm seeing is emotional unavailability, and that's because you have folks that get out of relationships and they don't know what they don't know, and they think that it's okay to go out and look for somebody to heal your broken heart and to have a one night stand and that doing these things are going to help you feel better. And that is what I'm seeing the majority of the dating world scary. I come, I have clients come to me and go, Brandon, you know, why did this person ghost me? Why after this many months are they saying I need space? 
I need time to work on me. It's because they weren't emotionally available to begin with. They're recognizing their skeletons and the things that they need to work on. But uh, that's the number one thing I'm seeing. And the other, the, the second thing I'm seeing is distraction. You know, we, we live in a very self-gratifying world and you have so many folks walking around that are dopamine depleted. They're looking for their next hit. How much attention can I get? How much attention can I get? Ding, 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 ding. And with the combination of emotional unavailability and dopamine depleted people, that is why we are in a very scary dating world. Yeah, there's a few things that seem like a big deal here. Um, the illusion of options is one of the big ones I've been hearing the most, especially mm -hmm. like females uh, have far more of the illusion of options. They can post up one a little bit scantless picture up there. They can get a bikini picture or like feeling cute might delete later. And then they can throw one of those up and then yeah. they get like thousands of, you know, views or clicks or likes or uh, you look gorgeous you're so beautiful there's a lot of attention that girls can get way quicker than boys like we oh yeah you, listen i don't care how good we look in a in a bikini we can't get that kind of attention so like we're not gonna be able to pull the same cards that they can almost effortlessly well i have seen a lot more of this attention addiction where like i crave this but then how does a guy or even how does somebody who has this type of need, this this attention addiction from, you know, social media or from online. How does somebody who's with that person compete with 10,000 people saying you're so hot? How do you compete with that? Here's where it gets toxic. Okay. And how it becomes toxic and how they compete with that is by being a complete and absolute, dare I say, narcissistic asshole. When they can manipulate their partner to making their partner have that toxic attraction, that toxic fear syndrome, because their partner's not giving them what everyone else can give them, right? They're not coming in and saying, you're beautiful every day, you're this or that. So how they handle that is they don't compliment them. They treat them with lack of respect. And now you have two people that are going at it, one that's not respecting their partner and one that's starved for attention instead of true love and affection. And that creates a very toxic environment. So is it possible that this attention addiction is creating narcissists? So that's, I'm going to be really careful here because I, you know, that word is so thrown out nowadays, but I will say it does create a high spectrum of narcissism. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because I feel we're just in a world full of a lot of assholes and a lot of people that are lacking self-awareness, but it can lead to some very narcissistic tendencies. Absolutely. So like a couple of things that people should really probably know, because you're right, it's thrown around way too easily without qualification. Narcissism has multiple layers to this, but some of the obvious ones are maybe being extremely self-centered, isolating your partner, making it so that they, you know, remove their support systems, friend groups, and you become the center of their universe. This is one version of it. Right. But the other person is like, well, the world revolves around me and... They take and take and take almost parasitically. And so there's a few versions of how people operate as like a, a taker, if you will. But like, it seems on this one, if somebody has an attention addiction and they believe that they require so much attention, and then the other person is trying to isolate them so they can be the center of their attention, aren't they both kind of doing it a little bit here? Yeah, 100%. And manipulation oh, isn't a connection. 
damn it. So it seems like this whole attention thing may be creating multiple issues on both sides. Yeah, and it's it's a it, that's a pandemic right now. Correct. I'm hey, listen, I'm seeing it too. How the heck am I supposed to like stop myself from what is now being glorified and glamorized and my followers, my likes, my views, my the attention that I get is now become a big part of my identity. How are you supposed to protect yourself against something like this? I'm going to speak for myself is discipline, self-discipline and self-worth. And I'll, I'll say this, I'll say this humbly is the amount, and I'm, and I'm sure the same, even, even with you being married, people just don't care about that. The amount of women that come to me in my DMs or that here's the, here's the crazy part is women that are clients of mine or that want to be clients that I've had to actually cut that relationship off because they've tried to cross that line, right? To that attention. They think that I'm going to give into that attention when I don't dip in the company ink. And to answer your question, I think we, it's accountability and self-discipline, especially as a man. I feel that men are held to a higher standard in society for many, many reasons. And we have to have that self-discipline. If we don't have that as a man, we can't be leaders and we can't be the strength for our household. All right. So we got the accountability. Now, I, I would have to challenge this on just a little bit on the other way. Do you believe the attention addiction is falling more male or more female these days? That's a toss up from what it I is. It's a toss up. So I think it's in two very different ways, but I'd like to hear your point of view, please. I think that the, the two different ways you're speaking of, I mean, women they know they can objectify their body and and be paid for it. There's not a lot of men that can. I mean, guys like you and I can. I mean, I, I'm 43 in the shape of my life. Take our shirt off and get attention from women. But not, not every man can, right? So how does a man that doesn't have the physical aspect to do that? Well, maybe they're going to floss their money. Maybe they're going to floss their power for that attention. So I, I think it's a 50-50 split, honestly, from, from what I'm seeing. I think that both men and women are – looking and seeking that in different ways. And it's all comes down to lacking self-discipline and, and knowing their worth. I feel well, that go, go ahead. All the examples are still superficial though. Finances and money or power or fame or, you know, physical attributes. Um, it's all the surface layer things. And so I hear you often talk about the surface layers are the traps right now. You're not looking at values if you're trying to measure somebody's value yeah. by the superficial. And so yeah. I've seen a lot of your stuff where you're like, if you're trying to go off of boobs or money, you're going to be missing the values of that person. And so right. I guess I guess it would probably lean forward. And I'm not trying to jump into an answer. So tell me if I'm going the wrong direction here. We need to get better at our qualifying in two categories. One, know yourself. And mm -hmm. then two, get better at figuring out what red flags are there without bargaining your way through it with rose-colored glasses. Yes, yes. And to add to that, that comes into the, the self-awareness, right? Even me, I think a lot of times people need to have humility and humble themselves and actually seek help. So many people think that they can do it on their own. And if they could do it on their own, you and I wouldn't have what we do, right? And even me, I, I feel I'm a pretty intelligent guy, but there's so many things that I've learned. I'll see like a breathwork coach because I struggle to, to relax. Like you'll see me on camera. I, I move around a lot. 
So I've tempted and I want to, and I've started learning some breathwork stuff. I'm not a breathwork specialist, but I know that I need that help. And if people can just look in the mirror and say, gosh, damn it, I need some help. And if that's going to cost me a couple hundred dollars, maybe a couple thousand dollars to invest in myself and get help, I better freaking do it. Because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah. And you can't make a choice you don't know exists. Exactly. Exactly. You said two bad words, though. Let's start with H, man. You said two bad H words. Uh Uh-oh. You said humble and help. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. I don't need help, and I don't need to humble myself. I don't like it. So, like, this is where it's one of those things where, especially us guys, we don't need help. I got it, right? We don't need help. Us guys, we don't actually look for help until we're in crisis, and we don't even take advice until we're in crisis. We're stubborn. I can do everything on my own, right? And so let's talk about this humility and help. I I change a little bit differently. We do, even on our side, and I know that you do similar things where, no, no, we're doing skills training. We train. No, it's not about because you need help because you're a damsel in distress and you need me to rescue you. No, it's because there's only two kinds of people. You're either trained or untrained, and we teach you new skills, new perspectives, new abilities, and new ways to be able to handle situations. So you can, I'm sure you'll figure it out. It may take you 10 years or 15 years. I'm sure you got it. Or we can do this in six months. You can enjoy the next nine and a half years with these new skills without having to fail forward. Your call. Exactly. (laughs) And so seeking mentors, you know, having somebody to fast forward your evolution, making it so you can have more good years instead of more failures. Like, let's figure this out in a way that's more healthy instead of saying you need help. Saying like, you just need a good mentor. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes back to that humility, you know, and, and maybe this is off topic. Maybe it's not. I think it all ties into the same thing, but it's all mindset, you know, growth mindset versus lack mindset. I have so many people like, and I'm sure you face this too, but they'll want to, they'll want your services. They'll want something from you. Oh, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. But you're, you're telling yourself you can't. And that's why you can't. Stop telling yourself, stop living those values that you grew up on. Oh, I came from a broken home. I came from a poor home. I'm living check to check. But you're living check to check because you're allowing yourself to live check to check. You're getting hard there. All right, Brandon, I see you. You're pushing people. You need to come up with four grand, six grand, seven grand. It's emergency. You'd get yourself that money somehow. Right, right, exactly. And I just, and it's not just about, what I have, what you have, right? It's about everything in life. Somebody, something happens and they always want to make an excuse because they're afraid of money. But I'm sorry to tell you that the relationship you have with money is the same relationship you're going to have with people in life. You know, how do you handle your money? Do you handle your friends? Like, Hey friend, you're, you're kind of dirty. I don't want you coming around me right now. I don't trust you. You're like, no, no, no. Money is dirty. It doesn't matter. But look at the positive. Look at the things that money gives you. Look at what that friendship gives you. Who gives a shit if they're coming in dirty and money? They're your friend. They've been in your corner. You hug them, damn it. And it's the same thing with that money. Mm. And 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 that's I'm going to stick to that. The relationship you have with money is the relationship you're going to have with people. Period. That's hardcore, man. Let's all right, I'm going with you on this one. Let's go into it. All right, let's say somebody likes to just get enough money to be comfortable. And as soon as they have their money, they've gotten out of debt, and they're just like, ah, finally, I got an extra grand in the bank, and I feel good. You know, they finally dug out of the hole. And then they usually will do what? 
probably pull back the effort a little bit. Now I can breathe. Now I can chill out. This is the move away from pain aspect of things is people have a move away from pain motivator. Comfort is the win. Well, it's the same thing you'd probably say. And this is where I'm smelling what you're selling, where you're saying, if somebody works their ass off with chivalry and dates and kicking ass, trying to be the best they can be to get that person and then they get them. And then now they're getting commitment and comfort and it's getting like, okay, complacency. Is this kind of what you're saying right now is like you did all the work to get it, but then now you have the commitment and now you'll slow it down. All right. 100%. So if you covet your money and you're a hoarder and you don't share, you're stingy and you share, you don't share, you're going to be like, don't talk to my girl. (laughs) Exactly. It's freedom. It's all about freedom. If you, and your, your, your analogy tied in perfectly. I love that. And it's, it's about freedom in relationships. You know, I see the people that when they go to work and they stress out on their partner, oh my gosh, are you going to be there for me when I get home? Are you talking to other people? That's the same way they handle money. I guarantee you that's the same exact freaking way they handle money. But when they have that freedom and they can recycle their money willingly, that's the person that goes to work, that clocks in and says, you know what? I know without a shadow of a doubt, just like the ground's going to be beneath my feet when I get out of bed, that mm-hmm. my partner has my back and I have nothing to worry about. Let's go the bad way. This is where all oh, this is where most fear lives. And let's get into fear a little bit here. You sure. just mentioned, are you going to be there or are you looking for something else? Are you going to cheat on me? Are you going to do this? And when somebody brings up and you mentioned earlier, I'm showing up to the relationship with insecurities and wounds that I want you to help me fix. I want you to heal me. I, you should be the one who's the medication for something you weren't even there for when it happened. Yeah. And here we are now, now trying to control now trying to dictate what they can and can't do, now trying to, out of fear, make sure that they don't cheat on me. Don't cheat. I don't want you to cheat on me. Don't cheat on me. Don't cheat on me, right? They're going to help me. Help me with this one. Help me out. What do you see or how do you help these people? Yeah, it's healing. When I see that happen, it's because they haven't healed. There's some kind of hidden. Here's the, here's the two things I see. They either haven't healed, they haven't addressed a fear that has been coming up and they're taking it out on their partner and they're projecting that. Or number two, they're doing the same behavior that they're worried about. They're the ones that are actually cheating. They're the ones that are talking to other people. And again, they're using that self-projection. And those are the two reasons why that happens. So if people can heal, I mean, healing is a lifelong journey, right? It's, it's, you're going to heal your whole life, but if you can be healing versus emotional availability are two different things. You can be emotionally available and still be healing. And a lot of people mm-hmm. are both. They're unavailable and they're not healing. This is where it's tricky because I see that, that I do understand that we can do this together if we're both agreeing, let's do this together. Yeah. But if one person is saying, I won't heal. And so I'm getting into a relationship where I need you to make me feel safe, feel secure, feel good. I need you to make sure I'm okay. And this almost becomes an enabling when like, I've got good guys. There are good guys. There's more yeah. good guys than bad guys, ladies, if you believe it or not. You, you friend zone the shit out of them. So if you're wondering where they are, like there's a lot of good guys who are like, I'll never hurt you. I'm never going to cheat on you. I won't do that. But they still won't. they're waiting for that guy to do it because their past keeps trying to influence their present and or per- their future. And so they're going like, no, you're going to do something. You're going to do something. You're going to do something. I have a whole thing with this that goes against this narrative. I have a whole thing with this. If you're fighting so hard to stop somebody from cheating, what are you fighting for? 
it's a great it's great it's a great point like if they're going to leave do you really want to try to force somebody to stay with you who wants to leave like that's the play lack of self-love which means now i have to control you from something that they're not even doing to make sure that even if they were going to do it they don't get a chance to do it and that's love yep what the what (laughs) yeah you're you're you brought you nailed the you hit the nail on the head on that one what are we doing if they're going to cheat on you shouldn't you work more on acceptance and working through your grieving systems instead of waiting for everyone else to heal you because if, if 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 Andrew wants to go be with somebody else, what am I going to do? Force her to not do it? Exactly. I'm going to make her stay with me because that's what love means. You're not allowed to talk to people. Listen, if she's like, I consider this what's a better fit for me. I'm going to be like, no, no, no. Give me another chance. No, no, no. Give me another chance. If you're not a match, you're not a match. What are you fighting for? Right. Well, I think I think a lot of times why that happens is for men at least uh, the human ego is the number one thing for men. And, really? Oh, yeah. And I'm number gonna, two, I, okay. go, oh, okay. go ahead, Rick. Well, I don't know. I, well, maybe is, I work with guys who want to get better. So maybe this is where I have a different point of view. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go, and then I'm going to throw in what I've got for my men. So go yeah, ahead. Please, please do. Um, the, the ego and FOMO. And for those of you that don't know, FOMO means fear of missing out. And mm-hmm. It's, it's part of the human condition. A lot of times when you go to, you know, get a car or a retail store and you got the salesman, you know, telling you all these things about, oh, well, you know, we've got five people lined up for this Ford Bronco that we've marked up 30 grand. You better get it now. Well, that person, they don't need the Bronco. Bronco, it's not that great. It's cool looking, gets shitty gas mileage. They haven't fixed a lot of the kinks, but that person's going, gosh, these five people are going to get it. Hell no, I'm going to get it. That's my ego and my FOMO. So I'm going to spend $30 over the MSRP. Well, same thing in relationships, that person, maybe an ex comes into the picture, or maybe they know that person's getting a lot of attention. And so that FOMO, hey, this person might be able to make them happy and I can't. This person might be able to give them something that I never was able to, and I don't want that to happen. I feel like that's that's not knowing thyself, because if you have a standard, I I watched your video on boundaries, like if you have standards or know yourself and you're like, I want to entertain being with somebody else because that's what I think is better. What am I fighting for again? I just I don't see I think I think it's one of those things where we're trying to covet something that we consider special or rare when it's acting very regular. But how do how does one decipher that though, right? Because they're not being they're not you being. You work aware. with guys like us. You get a mentor who teaches you who you are, so that way you can have a non-negotiable boundary to go like, if you want to be with someone else, sayonara. <laughs> like, then but that's where, fine. <laughs> what what principle does that apply into though? It applies into humility, right? How many how many men, unless they're you know maybe maybe I know a lot of men our age, fifties, sixties, seventies, they can't have humility, and mm-hmm. so. I think the number one thing to tie into your point is how many men, since we're on the subject of, of men, um, sure. can have humility. And I think humility is one of the greatest principles you can have. Yeah, it goes into we have we call it like the race to acceptance. We go through our grieving systems to be able to also uh, a big thing I'm doing, like even the talk I got coming up is on challenging everything. It's part of our creed where I go like I got to cool. challenge the idea and we do it to everybody. It's a round table for us. It's not Rick's court. It's like a King Arthur's court. We have a round table. Yeah. If I say something, you should challenge it. And if you yeah. say something, I have to challenge. Does that hold the water? Let's see if it works here. And we do it with each other because it makes the idea stronger. And so we have to humble ourselves in order to say like, my idea is not law. It's just an idea. 
And so, so we do the same, we practice this and there are humbled guys, strong, powerful alphas. We all humble ourselves to grow. And so it can be done. I'm going to lean the other way from ego and home and FOMO. The, the other thing that I see is most common, and I think it's abused more than it's actually recognized as truth, is unmet needs. And this is being thrown around. It's been around for a long time. It's very heavily pushed when it comes into uh, nonviolent communication, like Marshall Rosenberg, and you get into NBC. And it gets into every single outburst or, you know, these conflicts are just a tragic representation of unmet needs. There's just something I didn't know how to articulate. And this has been very interestingly thrown around by, you see, like Sadia Khan and other women who are psychologists who also do this too, who are going, women are cheating more than men these days. They just don't true. call it, they just don't call it cheating. They call it, he wasn't meeting my needs. That's but, true. But we're not, being honest, we're using the main curse I see for women is denial is at the core of all of their curses, which means we gaslight our own introspection, ladies. Whatever your truth is, it's not really the truth. It's what I decide. I call it to make it so I justify myself as good, even though if anything I did was done to me, that's bullshit. Yep. This is the game right now. Ladies, you are your own enemy at the moment. Now, the unmet needs are happening pretty heavily on both sides, but guys have a lot less of the illusion of options that women do. And so women think they're going to go beauty and the beast themselves out and go get another cursed prince when these guys who have like, I've domesticated myself to be a good man when I used to be the biker or the badass or the wild guy, and now I'm a good father, I'm a good man, and I'm sticking yeah. around. Well, now these guys are unappreciated. They're, you know, being taken advantage of. The court systems are wrecking good dads. There are bad dudes. Please don't get me wrong. I'm speaking in absolutes. There are shit dudes that don't like you and me. There are shit dudes that don't like us because we would keep them accountable to themselves. But there's a lot more good guys out there going, I'm happy to own my shit because I'm actually trying to be a better man. I'd agree with so, that. So the unmet needs thing is way trickier because they're missing base needs, base needs, like appreciation. You know, Here's you're Mr. Gratitude. They're missing gratitude. Gratitude brings abundance. Yep. Yeah. My, so my view on that is your needs will never be met if you're not meeting your own needs. It all comes down to what we're projecting on others is a reflection of ourselves. It's all about us, good and bad. So for example, if somebody's going in social media and they're commenting to you and they say, gosh, Brandon, you saved my relationship. Yada, yada, yada. No, I didn't save your relationship. What you finally did is you woke the fuck up, you listened to what I said, and you realized that your demons were triggered and you changed and became a better person. And I'm grateful that you did that, but it had nothing to do with me. It's all about mm -hmm. you. And when you're in a relationship, oh, you don't do this for me, you don't do that. Well, gosh dang, do you do it for yourself? Okay, well, then there's your answer. And, it's, and the reverse of that is when we pedestalize our partner. Your partner is not your God. If you're mm -hmm. doing more for your partner than you're doing for yourself, that is a pedestalized relationship and you're doomed to fail. Correct. Especially on the guy side, especially yeah. on the guy side. So um, I just did a training. It was a uh, Wednesday with a group of guys with the no more Mr. Nice guy book, you yeah. know, and it's a pretty good book. And th uh, these guys in there are like, oh, I'm reading the thing. It's like, yep, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. 
And then they went into like the 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 guy who's like not the Mr. Nice Guy. And I'm like, I'm all of those ones. (laughs) Like it's really funny to watch where I'm like, guys, but this is working way better than those ones are because they're all being taken advantage of or feel completely used or abused. And it's very interesting to see like these guys who are giving more, more commitment, more resources, more availability, more time, more of themselves are treated worse. In fact, I did a call yesterday with a guy who was like, I gave literally everything I got and she treats me terribly. That's because exactly. I wonder why. The boundaries aren't there. They're trying to please the matriarch in this one. And if you treat her like a queen, she'll treat you like a servant. And so that's what's happening right now. Love that. So we're watching it over and over again. What do you think about these nice guys, these guys who are, you know, I'm going to try and do the men are bad, so I'm going to be ultra good. What do you think? Yeah, Yeah. and it comes down to, and I I don't know if a lot of people might get lost here, but I've talked about this before, is there's a huge difference between a nice guy and a kind guy. I'm 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 going to try and break this down the best way I can. So if you're walking in a grocery store and you see somebody coming behind you, the kind thing to do is to hold the door for them. That's the kind thing to do. Now, if that person goes in the grocery store and you follow them around and say, you know what, can I, can I uh, help you shop? Can I get your groceries for you? Can I do that? Now you're a nice person and that's scary. What are your motives? Why do you want to do all that for a stranger that you don't even know? You have ulterior motives. What if he doesn't just cure, just devil's advocate? What if he's like, I actually just really like to help people shop because I just love shopping. That's his whole motive. Then he doesn't have boundaries and he needs to be checked. All right. So he's got to get checked because he's being too nice, which is obviously a really tricky sentence. T-O-O before anything is a subjective, tricky moment here. And so, all right, don't help her shop, but you can grab that door. Yep. All right. give, Give me another thing for like, that's a good guy. And this is a nice guy. Like this is a. Well, kind the, the, and, and yeah, the kindness cut comes with boundaries. Um, like me, I'm an empath, but I'm an empath with boundaries. I know where to delegate my energy, where to feel my energy and where to give my energy because I have that boundary. And the difference, I, I'll just go straight to the point. The main difference between nice and kind is boundaries. A nice person lacks boundaries. A kind person has boundaries and they know how to delegate their kindness. And it comes naturally. They have nothing in, they don't want anything in return. Well, shit, what if it doesn't come naturally? How do I train this skill? Because I look at it as a skill, not a natural gift. Yeah, yeah. so that is something, and you're right. It, it is something that could be taught to the right open mind. It's thinking of others more than yourself, knowing that there's something greater than yourself. Now, for my spiritual people, I'm, I'm a very spiritual man. I believe Rick is too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, there's a Christian company, and I don't, I don't affiliate with any faction. I'm just going to tell you I'm spiritual. But what I love this company for is the name of the company is called He is Greater Than I. And it goes back to John 33, 3 in the Bible, talking about the creator must become greater than ourselves. And that's what I firmly believe. When people don't believe that there's something greater than them and they don't worship something greater than themselves that is not a human being, not a material thing, that is where it comes into play. Sure. Selfishness, greed, all these things become your God. I'm with you. Exactly. Sure. Sure. I'm, I'm with you. I'm following. I'm smelling what you're selling, but make others more than self. I'm with you. and put God first, but I should sure. put others before myself for a healthy boundary. I don't, I don't believe that. No, it goes okay. back to the analogy of being on a plane, right? What do they tell you if the plane's going down with the oxygen? You put the mask on yourself first before you help others, because if sure. you can't 
be an asset to yourself. You won't be able to help others. But I think where you'll people, become the liability exactly, at that point. Yeah. I think where people take that out of place is let's go back to that bad N word, narcissism, right? Is mm-hmm. when they make it about them as the center of the world, that's a bad thing. But when they mm-hmm. make it about them because they love themselves and they have respect for themselves and they have boundaries, that's what it boils down to. There's a huge difference. Yeah, let's help people here because that may still be confusing for people who are like, I don't do it already. How do I start? So let's give them some examples here. Um, just so I, the way I teach it and tell me if this, this feels authentic to you. A boundary is not about what anyone else is doing. It's about the way I handle what other people are doing. So let's just say um, you're going to message me on the weekend. And instead of me saying, Brandon, don't message me on the weekend. I can just say, if you message me on the weekend, I'm not checking till Monday, just so you know. It's a great boundary. So that's a boundary. But if I say, don't message me, you're not allowed to send me messages because I told you what you can and can't do. That's a demand, not a boundary. And controlling. Right. Which means people are getting boundaries mixed up thinking like, I told you how you're allowed to talk to me. No, you don't that's have to report it. Yeah, you this have to report it. That's a demand. That's yeah. not an agreement nor a boundary. But Correct. a boundary would be if you keep talking to me this way, I'm going to have to let go of this phone call or I'm going to have to walk out of this conversation. You don't get to speak with me anymore because you don't know how to speak respectfully. So right. I'll have to remove myself. We'll you know, yeah, this is where, like, you know, this re- there's going to be lines here where I'm going to handle it a certain way if you act a certain way. I don't have to tell you to be different. I just know how to respond to it. So that way it still upholds my standards for myself. Right. Right. And this gets tricky for people, especially in marriages or in relationships where they never had any boundary. And I think the fact is with this kind guy versus nice guy thing is people get angry when people make boundaries because those are the ones who got away with the most when you didn't have them. I love that. I love that. I love that so much that you said that. And we're, I, I want to go into something, if you don't mind, since you're on this topic, because Please. you got my mind buzzing. You know, that is another hot button for those people that are trying to date right now is, Brandon, when do I, when do I set boundaries? How do I do that? And here's something you have to understand to add to Rick's point. And, and I'm going to throw this on you, the person that's creating the boundaries. It is your responsibility. And your due diligence, you cannot expect a human being to date them for three months, six months, a year, and then all of a sudden say, hey, Johnny, hey, Jessica, here's what I like and what I don't like from you. Here's what I need you to do. You can't do that because that person's going to come back and say, well, screw you. You've allowed me to do it for this long, and now you expect to take that from me like candy from a baby? Mm-hmm. No, no. Now it's on you. Set your boundaries on the first freaking date, the second date. Let that person know what you will tolerate and what you won't tolerate. That's it. It's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that because otherwise you end up creating it's the bargaining system of the fantasy of what it could be, usually because society is putting so much pressure on those superficial things. Well, they've got a lot of money or they got a cool car or she's really hot or whatever the superficial thing. He's really tall, like whatever the things are to make it so that we throw rose colored glasses on for all the red flags. And if anybody doesn't know what that means, when you're wearing wearing rose-colored glasses, all the red flags just look like regular flags. Yeah. You miss all of the cues that you're like, is this the circus? And your friends are like, get out of there. (laughs) Like, it's not the circus. That's bad. It's red flags everywhere. 
Well, what's funny is to add to Rick's point again is it all comes down to psychology. Rick mentioned numerous times about the rose-colored glasses, which means in the first three months of a relationship, of a dating relationship, you have what's called the feel-good hormones going. And your prefrontal cortex, the center part of your brain that creates those emotions, basically shuts down. And you've got the oxytocin, the serotonin, and the dopamine flowing, and you're not seeing that person who they truly are within the first three months. And that is what Rick means by those rose-colored glasses. And you don't know what you don't know, right? So I always tell people... I got a pair of these for you, bro. Oh, that's amazing. Rick just threw them. I wear them them all the time for when I'm working with people. Like, I don't see what you're seeing. And then I'll throw these on and I'll go, oh, yeah, they look wonderful now. Yeah, they look like the best dude ever. Absolutely. Now I see what you're looking at. (laughs) Rick Rick throws on the rose-colored glasses. That's amazing. Yeah. And... uh, (laughs) I, it's it's why I always tell people to take your time. I don't care how beautiful they are. I don't care how good the sex is. I don't care what all that is because I tell you what, if it's that good now, after three months, if it's still good, then guess what? They might be that good. But until then, take your time. And if mm-hmm. they want to rush a relationship, they're not your person. Yeah, it's a good call. Russian relationships. Hurry up. We got to go to Matt. We have to move in together. We need to get married. Like anybody who rushes the relationship and like within like, it's been three months, we should move in. Why aren't you letting me move in? I need a key to your place. These are red flags, guys. These aren't, these aren't comfort. This isn't safe and secure. This is scary. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's scary for a couple of reasons, but then there's one beautiful thing about that. The scary part is typically what I see, if somebody's under the age of 35, somebody that makes those maneuvers, they have, they're a predator. They're preying on you. Now, I will say after the age of 35, things tend to escalate a little quicker in a relationship. Sure. And you might you might want to move in in like six months, but still three months. Just give it three months. No matter what you do, a lot is going to change and you'll start to see the, the true reality. And your, your gut is never, ever wrong. You know, that inner feeling, that inner vibration, if it continues to haunt you and regurgitate both positive and negative, listen to it or you'll regret it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good, man. Yeah, I, I'm going I'm to slide it back into like the boundaries there and like being able to hold your ground, even have autonomy for a while. I'm going to yeah. keep our stuff separate for a little bit here just in case it doesn't like it's OK. We this is where I, I, we talk about often, too, where people get into a codependent relationship because they think that's what love means. Ooh, this means yeah. like you yeah. complete me. That's what love is. And I've been arguing, it's not you complete me, it's we complement each other. It's two strong halves that come together to make a very strong whole, but they are still their own things that make each other better together. Not, I'm only as good as I am because of you. What do you think? So you and I align on virtually everything. I have a little bit different, I say, and I and the analogy is like right on, but I always say, Two holes make a hole, not two halves make a hole. I like it. That's 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 the way I present it. Because a lot of people get that, or they think that a relationship's 50-50. It's not. Mm-hmm. A relationship's a hundred a hundred. It's not I like, tit- I like that. Yeah. It's not it's not tit for tat. It's not, hey, I took out the trash, so now you're gonna have sex with me tonight. No, 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 no. It's not, hey, I did this, you do that. You know what? You might do three good things in a row, whatever that looks like, and then your partner, it doesn't matter. You're going to be 100% showing up every freaking time and you're not taking tallies and tit for tat. Because again, 
I've seen it. I've seen it solid. It's it, right now. I think that the societal one is different. Girls do this often. I, oh, it's yeah. different. This is the measurement system is very different for girls. I'll give you an example. Like I said, I work with the men and I hear what the ladies say. I noticed and tell me if you've seen this. Ladies count their tasks differently than men. A hundred percent. And what I mean is if they put 20 dishes away, that's 20 achievements accomplished. And if I put 15 pairs of shoes, then I've done another 15 things here. This is where they've done like I've done hundreds of things today. But like the guys, what did you do? You just went to work. And he's like, just went to work. I mean, I'm an engineer. I did thousands of incredibly difficult things that only I can do with the whole building. But you count that as one. <laughs> you, Rick, you are bringing up so many valid points that I talk about all the time. And, you know, I, I don't know. There should be a lot of people that are going to know about this. But the Gottman Institute, John and Julie Gottman, they're world-renowned, the most world-renowned family marriage therapists that there are on the planet. And they actually predicted with 80% accuracy that the number one precursor for divorce is what you just said, is how are you to your partner? Are you reactive to your partner or are you proactive to your partner? And the couples that lasted the longest were proactive to their partner. So like you mm -hmm. just said, if their partner got home from work and said, I just did this, I'm tired, a partner that's proactive is going to say, gosh, babe, like I can't, I'm sorry you had such a bad day. Let me hug you. What can I like, what, what happened in your day? And then the other partner is going to be like, okay, well, what happened in your day? What can I do to help you around the house? Now I'm not saying that has to be the exact scenario, but that is an example of being proactive in a number one indicator that your relationship will last. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful, man. Very useful too. being proactive versus reactive. Man, there's there's a lot of pieces here that we we've man, we could probably go for a long time, man. Let's just do like 30 of these and make it so we can help people with a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah. Let's there's let's end it. Let's end it on on a high note here. I know one of the big things that we are both fighting and we are both trying to com combat right now is this judgment shame system, the social media, uh, the conformity yeah. that's happening right now where people are no longer able to have their individualism without being shamed and judged into some form mm. of compliance. I know that this is a passion of yours. Please fire off from the hip. What do you got? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm just going to spit it raw. And the thing is, is I'm going to go back to relationship as an analogy is, gosh, dang it, you guys, stop living your life for other people. Stop allowing people to penetrate your lives and your relationships, because if you are happy and you are not hurting another individual, who gives a shit what you are doing? If you want to marry that person and, and, and your family doesn't like them, who cares? Your family ain't marrying, in them, marrying that person. You want to go out and start a business, but your friends are like, no, that's a stupid decision. Why would you want to do that? Your friends aren't starting the business. You are starting the business. You're going to have to learn your own lessons. If somebody in social media, you're admiring their life, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. They could be getting abused. They could be in addiction. You don't know what's going on. Do not base your life on other people because comparison is the greatest killer of joy. And if I can tell you anything, please, please just start living your truth and not for other people. Most people they don't give a shit about you. They really don't. You're going to have very few people in your life that actually care about your well-being. Out of the 100 people in your life, five of them are going to actually truly care and be there for you no matter what you're doing. Take that for what you will, but that is my outlook and what I will tell each and every one of you. This is strong, dude. Very strong. I'm going to... 
jump on the train with you on this one. There was a, a speaker I saw, Jeff Olson, a long time ago. He, he, they called him the millionaire maker. He was really good at helping people become successful. Mm-hmm. And he told me a story that made it so, you know, Jeff Olson is the, was yeah. it the slight edge. And yeah. uh, so uh, I saw him speaking. He said, this is the thing that changed everything for him. He's like, I used to live my life based on the judgments and opinions of others. I used to really require the validation from others to let me know that I'm good or I'm okay. And he's like, he learned about a statistic for funerals. He said there was a, a study done where people would go to funerals just to oh, see, funerals. yeah, just to see how many people cry at a funeral. That's Ooh. all it was just watching and just going Ooh. like, how many people cry at a funeral? And out of like hundreds of funerals, just going to just kind of get mm-hmm. the vibe. Yeah, what, what do you think the number was that was on average? I would say two percent. Two percent. So like maybe out of a hundred people, be two people. So yeah. Okay, so that exactly is the exact number. Well done, Brandon. It was two people on average will cry at a funeral. This means every decision you've ever made. This means every choice you did to compromise yourself, every sacrifice to make another person happy, everything you've ever done in your life to make it so others can feel good at your expense. At the very end of the culmination of everything you ever do, if you're lucky on average, two people will care enough to even shed a tear about you. It is a true statistic. He said, knowing this, all the choices that I make to try to make another person feel good, they probably aren't even the one who's going to fucking cry at my funeral. Like, what am I doing here? I'm going to be what for somebody who you're probably not even one of the two. Yep. So he's like, I'm going to follow my dreams. I'm going to go for my goals. I'm going to love who I want to love. I'm going to be my most authentic, best version of me. And I'm going to work with people like Brandon or Rick to make it so I go faster. Leading to finding who the fuck you really are. How do people get in touch with you so they can work with you? Yeah, I appreciate that, brother. It's been a a pleasure being here. And um, also, I just want to add one thing before I talk about, you know, how to connect with me. Don't be afraid to cut people out of your life. People that are toxic, people that are not bringing value to your life, please cut them out. Yeah. Cut them out. Family. I, 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 I've had to cut family out. I've had to cut yeah. friends out. If mm-hmm. they are, if they're bringing more drama than peace, and it, it doesn't matter. Cut them out. Have um, the courage to accept your authenticity, even if yes. others won't. Yes. Yeah. How to connect How? with me? Um, so my name's in, in social media, my name's Brandon D. I do that for a reason. So I always say Brandon D, but in social media, it's Mr. Gratitude. So if you look up Mr. Gratitude, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and I do have a podcast. The name of my podcast is called Living with Gratitude. Um, I just launched my first virtual course. I'm really excited. Been a lot of promoting, a lot of marketing for this course. Mm. It's called a guide to better dating. And in this course, I teach you how to spot red flags how to spot emotional availability and what to do within your first three dates. It's an investment. Invest in yourself. You're going to learn a lot in that course. I'm very proud of it. It's, it's amazing. I know you'll learn a lot. I love it. Um, if you want to connect with me via email, you can connect at mrreviewme23 at gmail.com. And uh, any, any friend of Rick's is a friend of mine. So hopefully your audience, Rick, trickles over to mine and mine vice versa. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really appreciate being here. I think this is great. It's a great way to expand our networks and everybody listening. I hope you got a lot of information out of this and a lot of resource. Rick's a resource. I'm a resource. And that's that's it. Yeah. 
who are you looking for so we can make sure like that's me like which couples or which people are you yeah. looking for so they know it's them yeah i work with virtually anything that has to do with relationships or dating so if you need a dating coach i don't like to call myself a coach because most coaches yeah. are very manipulative i don't manipulate so I call myself a dating or relationship consultant. So if you're trying to be a better dater, like, hey, Brandon, I keep getting beat up in dating. What can I do to be better? I'm going to help you. Um, yeah. what, to, what to look for out of navigating after a breakup or divorce, because these are very, very emotional times. And most people don't know what to do to move forward and to navigate. So I help them with that, both singles and couples. If you're in a, if you're in a marriage and you need a mentor, you need to know how to keep that marriage healthy and exciting. I help keep marriages and relationships together as well. Um, that's, that's really the scope of my work. I get you're like, you're like that movie hitch and you only work with the good ones. Yeah. 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 And, <laughs> and the last, the, the last parts of this, cause a lot of people go, well, what? you know, I get this a lot and it blows my mind is what are your credentials? What are this? So I will tell you, you don't have to have any credentials to be a consultant. All you have mm -hmm. to have is operate legally. My clients, they sign a confidentiality agreement and a release of liability. I do operate legally. Um, so there's no shenanigans going on. I do have high credibility. I have almost 400,000 people that follow me in social media. So I'd like to think I know what I'm doing and, uh, I'll let you decide. And thank you yeah. again, Rick. I, I, yeah, I appreciate, appreciate this more than, you know, my brother. Nah, it's an honor, man. I really, I really do appreciate you too. So please check Brandon out, click on the stuff. And if you're in a relationship and you want it to get stronger, you now have links in this bio to click on so you can reach out to Brandon. So thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Click on the button and you can become the hero in your own story. It's time to start making the choices to change. And the evolution that you're going to do begins with choosing the next step. This is the way. And together, we're always stronger.